we've been on this wonderful journey through the book of the letter of Colossians and and we've been through what Clive and Yanku and Kilton have been sharing over the last couple of weeks. We've dived into understanding the gospel and trying to see how we can learn more about the gospel. And, and it's been wonderful to just, um, I've been able to listen to the preachers and so um, they've done well, amen? Yeah. <laughs> And it's just been wonderful to see how, how the gospel can be explained and, and, and it's important for us to understand the gospel. As I was considering just carrying on and, and finishing off on defining the gospel from the book of, or the letter of, of um, Paul to the church in Colossae, over the last couple of days since we've been back from holiday, as we got together with elders and, and Yanku and Clive in particular, we've just been sensing that obviously there's been a lot of shaking around and, and that it will be good for us to encourage one another. And I really believe that it's the Father wanting to encourage, it's not the elders, because <laughs> we are just human you know, instruments in his hands. He's the one, he's the great encourager. And so yesterday afternoon, I was considering going the way of, of finishing, defining the gospel from chapter 3 in, in Colossians. And, and then I sensed that God was pressing, pressing it on my heart to, to just encourage us about just some practical things about where we are as a people at this time. And I was actually going to go sit down and just write down some stuff that maybe, maybe we could just read out to you this morning to encourage you. Maybe I would have asked Clive, Clive, will not you just read this as, a, as just a, a means to encourage God's people and say, yes, we understand, yes, this. And, but as, a, as an eldership, we want to just encourage you from Scripture. And as I was sitting down to write that, God said to me, read Colossians 4. I'm like, okay. And as I started reading, I realized, man, this is what I believe God wants to say to us today. And I chatted to them, and we all agreed and said, well, let's just build the preach around that this morning. And, and then next week, we will carry on defining the gospel. But I was encouraged to actually find some stuff in the book of Colossians to give to us this morning. So I really want to give you homework for this week and for the weeks to come. Is that okay? Um. We've got people from all sorts of spheres of life and, and, and most of you have gone beyond the homework scenario and um, some of you are in it still, so praise the Lord for those that can identify with that. Some of you give homework and so um, it's time that you perhaps get a bit of homework. But nevertheless, we all want to be in this boat where we want to study something that I will believe will nourish our souls. So can I ask you, for the next couple of days, weeks, why don't you go study these few verses together on your own with friends with family and let's allow God to speak to us and encourage us and so it's going to be Colossians chapter 4 from verses 1 to 6 so it's not even a lot how's that so it's just take a deep breath just before you go all anxiety attacks on you because you're going to get a homework don't worry it's not going to be much I want to just read to you a few verses and comment on it and um, and trust the Lord to help us Father, we thank you for your beautiful word. And I do want to thank you this morning that you want to encourage us. And I trust, Lord, that encouragement will come, not just in the moment that we uh, are together to read from your word, but also in the moments from here on where we be, continue to study your word. I trust you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. So it reads as follows. 
I'm going to read it in bulk, and then we're going to come back and touch on it, each one, um, point by one. It's kind of like 10 things that I want to just throw out to you this morning. It says, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may speak, that I may rather make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I love the word, and may your word this morning speak to us, Lord. The beautiful thing about Colossians is this, is that we know that it was a man called Paul that wrote to a church that kind of got a little bit sidetracked through various strange and funny teachings that, that they were exposed to, and, and Paul wrote this letter to help them back on track. And we find that in chapter 1 and 2, he really talks a lot about sound doctrine and, and who we are in Christ and, and what Christ has done for us. We find, on the contrary, that in chapters 3 to 4, that he deals with a lot of practical things. So he says, this is your standing, this is what Christ has done for you, now this is your responsibility, in line with what he has done. What you're supposed to be doing here is not going to save you. You're already saved because of what Christ has done. Because you're saved, now you do this. We've got to make sure that we don't confuse chapter 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. Because 3 and 4 is an outflow of what we find in 1 and 2. It's our response to what Christ has already done for us. So when we read some very practical things here, you've got to understand these aren't the things that will save us. We do these things because we are saved. Amen? This is not adding anything. That's why Colossians, the whole series that we're doing is Jesus plus nothing. So when we say, oh, if I do these things and I pray and I'm watchful and I'm thankful, maybe God will accept me more. Nothing of that I can do could add to what Christ, oh, hello, good to see you. I'm not going to mention names. <laughs> um, so we cannot add anything to what Christ has already done. What we do is in response to what he has done. I am saved, therefore I want to do what we read about. And so when we look at the first one, it says, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. I want to talk to employers. And most of the time we have a lot of employees and we are encouraged to serve and we encouraged to obey and be faithful. Paul starts here, and again, it's an amazing thing that he does write to them in the context of there's been some, some strange teachings going around in the church. And then he speaks kind of like a random thing, just out of the blue. He says, Masters, guys who employ people, can we bring it into our context? If you are an employer, you provide employment to people. Paul is saying, treat those that you employ justly and fairly because as people are subject to you you've got to understand that all of us are subject to him none of us are above the other and so in the context that we're in we're going to try to be as practical as possible within the context of Zimbabwe at this time I'm going to say to you that we can 
We can try to make sure that we are all covered and, and well looked after, but there are certain responsibilities that God does give us and expect of us. And I want to celebrate employers this morning. Those of you that, that, that are in a position where you employ people, and, and, and it's a huge responsibility, by the way. I, I, I really want to honor you. And, and on behalf of many families, I want to thank you for providing employment to people. If you're in that position, why don't you just raise your hand? I just want to just, not trying to embarrass, but just honor you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for providing. Thank you for helping others, enabling them to have employment and have an, a means of income so that they can look after their families. Very practical, we find that it is expected of us who provide employment to do it in such a way that will make life easy for those around us. And it doesn't just firstly tell us how much we should pay them. It just says, do it justly. Laborer's way is, is, is due his wages. Do it justly. And at a time like this that we're in, we can so easily become so obsessed with our own sustenance and our own um, care in looking after ourselves only that we forget about those around us. And it's not just obviously for those that are able to provide employment, it's for all of us to consider others, but particularly here, Paul is saying, and may I encourage us, those of you in King City Church that are in a position where you provide employment, do it justly and fairly. Do it so that God will be honored. And may you, in this week, ask the question, God, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing to my employees in such a way that you are honored? And if not, God, please show me. Show me what I need to adjust. How best can I help? And, I, and obviously there's realities of where we are. We cannot go beyond our means. But can we do the best that will honor God? And I want to leave that with you. Just some practical stuff that I believe we need to look at. Then it, it carries on. It's like random out of there. He throws us in there. And then he come, comes with this in verse 2. Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer. <laughs> it's like, man, make sure that when you are able to employ people that you do it well. By the way, now we've got to pray. And do it not just, you know, half-heartedly. Don't just do it every once a month. And, and, and just when there's a massive crisis that hits you. Do it steadfastly. And, and I love that because it means that there's got to be a rhythm to how we pray. Steadfast doesn't mean once every blue moon, doesn't. If you look at the Greek word that I went and, and, and read up, it, it's the word proskartereo, which really means to intently engage, to persist in adherence to a thing. And anything that we want to do well, we know we've got to keep on doing it. It doesn't just happen overnight that there's a new habit formed. You've got to persist in it. Paul is saying the same thing about prayer. Now, may I say to you the following, that I, I don't think that when it comes to prayer, that the issue around prayer, because it seems like an issue that we always have to address. <laughs> How many of you are happy with your prayer life? <laughs> yeah, I see those hands. Mm. 
And it's obviously not a thing that we would love. Yeah, I'm happy because, oh, how do you do it? Maybe there's a formula, nothing. It's just we're always desperate for, God, I, I really need to pray more. Isn't it? So why is it, do you think? Is it because we don't understand the power of prayer? It could be. Sometimes we don't understand and realize how much power there is in prayer. And so therefore we neglect it. Is it because we don't have things to pray about that we don't pray? You think? Because there's hopes of stuff that we can pray about. Hey? Of you just quickly send out the pieces of paper and fill in what your prayer list would be. Like, oh, can I have more paper, please? <laughs> it's not a question of, I don't know. It's like, so one of those forms that you fill out or that you, when you send it out, it always comes back with some information on it. It's like, let's send out lists that you can just fill in your prayer list this morning. It's like, no, I'm fine. I don't have issues to pray for. No, we all have. So when it comes to steadfastly praying, it's not about we don't realize that it probably could be some of the issues that we don't realize how, how effective and powerful prayer is, but often it's not. Often it's also not that we don't have stuff to pray about. What is the problem? Paul doesn't say, guys, understand how effective prayer is. He just says, pray often. Pray and pray persistently. So actually what it addresses is us and creating rhythms in our lives where we could often pray. And I cannot come up with a formula that will work for you. It's something that, it's kind of like the penny has to drop for each one of us. And in the current context that we're in, guys, we need to pray. But we cannot let the church determine the times when and how that should happen. Because then hey, every Monday morning or every, every morning at this and this time, let's get together or let's send out a WhatsApp and say, guys, remember at that time, everybody, wherever you are, stop and pray. It's something that you and I need to be disciplined with. And I realize that this is the key, is that we've got to, in our own hearts, come up with what will work for us because it's a command. It's not an optional extra that we've got to pray. We talk a lot about things in this nation, but how much do we pray? Hey, and it speaks to me. So last week we encouraged each other and and. and there was a specific request, hey, let's pray again on Friday last week at 12 noon and we just stop when we pray into situations. Maybe it's something that we need to each individually establish for ourselves. Maybe you're doing it already, praise the Lord if you are. But maybe it's something that we need to encourage one another and perhaps holding each other accountable to and say, I'm going to regularly set a time. And hey, with all these devices at our disposal these days, it's so possible. To have reminders and, and alarms going off and saying, hey, one minute, two minutes, five minutes, whatever it is, I'm going to set a time every day where I'll stop and just say, God, I'm calling out to you. I want to let this pattern of to continue steadfastly in prayer be part of my life. How's that? So I want to encourage you. And whatever way you can establish it, even if it's baby steps towards it, start praying regularly. Practical advice. How do we manage during this time? Oh my goodness, it's rough and, and all these things are happening in Zimbabwe. Okay, well, pray. Pray. Because in prayer, we forget about ourselves and we consider the one that we are approaching. Oh man. And even if it's just that you set your mind on other things than just the issues, and you start considering him. And Paul then carries on. He says, 
as you pray in Colossians chapter 2 verse 2b, it says being watchful. So he's really telling us, listen, when you pray, open your eyes. And I'm not saying that you have to pray with open eyes or closed eyes. That's not the issue. The issue is consider the situation. Consider the world that we're in. Consider what we're going through so that we will be relevant in what we're praying. And not just mumbling a whole lot of stuff that, you know, I have no idea of what's happening. I believe that Jesus even taught this in Matthew 14. He says, watch and pray. (laughs) So it really means that we've got to be attentive to what's happening around us. And God's put us here on earth for a purpose. You're still alive. You still have a purpose here on earth. And you have to fulfill it by way of being aware of what is happening around you. But do not get sucked into what is happening around you. I do want to say, if you're at a place at the moment where your watchfulness is making you more anxious than, than leading you to prayer, maybe become less aware of the stuff around you and focus time on His Word. And just saying, God, please help me to not be sucked in by all this stuff and switch off your, your social media. Switch off whatever it is that needs to be switched off so that you can focus and digest what needs to be heard from heaven. Because sometimes we are so aware of the stuff and less aware of what God is saying. And if you are at a place this morning, I really want to encourage you. If you are at a place where you actually overwhelmed by all the news that you're hearing, turn it off. Even say to your friends, listen, thanks for all the WhatsApps you're sending about the, the stuff that's happening. I really don't need it. I cannot afford to listen to all of it. And focus on what is helpful for you at this time. Is that okay? Just practical advice. Being watchful of what God is saying. Listen to Him. Listen to His voice. Then it carries on, it says, with thanksgiving. So you've got to pray, be watchful, and bring in this very simple but such valuable attitude of thanksgiving into our lives and into the prayers that we're praying. So probably the one that's, that's most under attack at the moment in our lives is our thankfulness. Again, don't raise your hands, but how many of you feel that really thankfulness is not under attack in my life? I'm managing well. I'm thankful in all spheres, in every situation in life. I really feel that I'm thankful all the time. It's like, maybe there are some of you that are managing, but that's why Scripture is so clear that we've got to manage in these areas and bring thankfulness into our lives. (laughs) Because we have a lot to complain about. Isn't it? And how much thankfulness has flown from my mouth over the last 24 hours. As much as we need to be consistent in praying and calling out to God, we need to be consistent in our thanksgiving. That's why often when we just gather together, we would start and say, hey, what are you thankful for this morning, this evening? What are you thankful for? Let's remind each other. Let's build a culture into our context of thankfulness. And again, we can preach into each of these areas elaborately and go into the more details. But I want to just give you the practical handles this morning to not just manage through this time, but to live as an overcomer. 
to live with thanksgiving in our hearts, to be conscious about it and say, I will not allow complaint and negativity to control my life. I will allow thanksgiving to be the source of my life. How many of you want that? Father, I thank you for hands. I thank you that you will help us, that as your people and as a church, Lord God, we will be more thankful than ever, than ever, Lord God. Paul then carries on, and in the midst of this, he's saying, at the same time of you guys praying and being watchful and being thankful, hey guys, don't forget that God wants us to actually share this gospel with others. How's this? He says in verse 3, at the same time, pray also for us. That God may open to us a door for the word. He doesn't ask, oh, let me just be released from, from prison. He says, that God may open a door for us to preach. He says, to declare the mystery of Christ. It's, by the way, why I'm in prison is because of the mystery of Christ and the gospel that I've been sharing, that I am where I am. And he says in verse 4, that I make, make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And I love this. Paul is saying, guys, that, that whilst we have to pray and, and not give up and, and be thankful, guess what? That the best message that we have is the gospel. And that in this time that we're in, it is probably a very opportune time to let people understand that there is good news. And if we refrain from talking about the good news, how will the world know? If we get so bogged down with all of our issues and, and, and all of the realities that we are facing in this nation and we forget that we are actually mandated by God to preach the gospel, we will be unfaithful to what He has put us here on earth for. And I, that's why we talk about the gospel. That's why we define the gospel so that we can become gospel literate. We are literate in many areas in life. We can have people come up here to tell us every in, in, in every particular sphere of life there will be a, a perhaps a, a, a knowledgeable person that can help us understand this particular area better or whether it be education or, or business or farming, whatever. There are people skilled in that and it's wonderful. But how skilled are we in explaining the gospel? The world, and the most important message that the world needs to hear is the gospel, is the good news. And you are and I are the only ones qualified and equipped to share the good news. It is not in the hands of the United Nations. God is not expecting the United Nations to do that. God is not expecting any other um, secular organization to spread the good news. It is the responsibility of the church. And as we are facing what we're facing, the thing that we can smother, that we can hide, that we can put away, we can put on the shelf, could be the gospel. Could be the gospel. And it's the very thing that people need to hear. Hey, everybody needs to hear that, oh, wait, oh, by the way, this week or today, there's going to be water cuts again in Bulawayo. And it'll last for two days because of whatever issues. And by the way, this is the new schedule for Zesa and, and whatever it may. And all of that is needed, but it doesn't change my future. It actually can affect my heart. And the best message that we have is still the gospel, people. 
So in the midst of very practical things that, that Paul encourages the church to do, he's saying, please, guys, don't forget to pray that we may find open doors for the gospel to go in and penetrate hearts. And it actually speaks to all of us that we should pray for the same and say, God, in my context that I'm in, help me to spread the gospel. And that, not let me just let people come to a church gathering on a Sunday so that they can hear the gospel. It is let my life become an avenue through which the gospel can be shared. And if you're not gospel literate, in other words, if you're not able to explain the gospel to people in a very simple manner, we need to help one another. Because we all need to be able to sit down with a person and say, this is the gospel. This is what Jesus came to do. This is why Jesus had to come. This is what Jesus came to do. And this is what it could mean for you. That's the gospel. So as much as we are struggling and facing major issues, let's not let go of the gospel and the sharing of the gospel. He carries on in verse 5. He says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Now outsiders really are the people who do not currently belong to the, the community that he's talking to. He's talking to the community of the church in Colossae and he's saying the outsiders are the people that aren't part of your community. How many of you know of outsiders? How many of you know people that may perhaps are close to you but far from God? Those are outsiders. And so as much as we just heard a, a call for the gospel to be going out, he's saying, guys, the way that we walk, we need to do it circumspectly and, and wisely in such a way that the outsiders may see something of the gospel in our lives. Particularly at this time that we're in. I guess what, much of what we're sharing this morning is not to do with how do we handle our finances. How do we handle our testimony? How do we create a testimony? How do we build a testimony? How do we live our testimony? And we are in a situation that is not easy. And it seems like God is saying, but you are called to walk wisely towards outsiders at such a time. God, how do we do that? I don't know. Let's pray and ask him. And so here he's very clear but he's saying people need to see our faith. As much as we preach to them, we need to practice what we preach in a real God-honoring way. And if we do say that Jesus is the only hope for this nation, those of you that agree with that, how do we live that out? How do we walk it out amongst outsiders that need to see that we believe that Jesus is the only hope for our nation? particularly at this time. He carries on, he says, making the best use of the time. So it's kind of like, guys, we have time at our hand here. We don't know how much. We don't know. None of us know. None of us can give any guarantee to how much time we have at our disposal as an individual. None. But we'd like to capitalize on the time that we have available. Say, God, may my life count for how long it may be 
that I'm still around. I want to make the best use of the time at my disposal. And I do believe that in this time that we're in, if we can talk about it, I believe that sometimes we call, we, we, we term it as often, or often like this, where we say desperate times calls for desperate measures. And we say, oh, geez, that's desperate times, so we've got to, you know, come up with creative ideas. I do believe that God, the creator of all, is the most creative one of all. And that he has the ability to give us creative ideas for such a time as this. And whether you're an employer or an employee, whatever, but I trust that entrepreneurship and creativity will well up supernaturally once again in the hearts of his people at this time in this nation. Not just to survive, but to thrive beyond what we're currently facing. And I honor and I admire many of you that I pers have personal contact with that I know that you're doing much in terms of making the best use of the time that you're in. May we all be encouraged not to give up and say, God, we trust you. Speak to us. Give us creative ideas. Let us be proactive, oh God. Help us to make a difference to make the best use of the time that we're in. There's somebody in the Bible that did that. Desperate times called for desperate measures. It was the friends of a paralytic guy. Guy was paralyzed. And they desperately needed him to get to Jesus. And there were so many people around and crowds that they couldn't. And so they did. <laughs> the most unexpected thing. They went on top of the roof of the house that Jesus was in. Opened the the ceiling and let him down into the midst of where Jesus was standing. Desperate times called for desperate measures. Maybe it's a time where we need to think beyond and out of the box and not to be confounded by the world that we're in and say, God, help me to be creative at this time. He says then further, Paul says, let your speech Always be gracious, seasoned with salt. And um, that's a very relevant thing for us to consider at this time, is our speech. And it's so easy to talk. <laughs> and it's not wrong to talk. We all enjoy talking. I have the privilege at this moment to be the only one talking. And therefore, even in us preparing to be here, we take it um, and see it as a huge privilege, but a huge responsibility to make sure that what we say is conducive for your growth and for your encouragement. We need to live as much as I stand here with a fear of God and say, God, please help me to make sure that what I say is helpful. I need to step off from you, take off the mic, and when I just engage... In a normal way, I need to live with that same fear in my heart. Because here I'm recorded and I have a hundred odd people that are listening to me. And, and so whatever I say is heard and, and, and could be taken somewhere else. But why would it be any different than when I'm just one-on-one -on -one with someone? And the speech that I there have is different to the speech that I had up here. And I actually bring destruction to you and I trust that 
all the, every time that we're up here, we're not destroying, but we're uplifting and encouraging. Why do I refrain? Why would I refrain from doing that when I'm just sitting having a cup of coffee with you? Or just passing a comment when we engage each other in a very, very sociable way? Why would I lose the fear of God then? And it speaks into my heart because I have these two scenarios to deal with. But it should encourage all of us to understand that our speech is something that we need to control and make sure that what we say helps people. And you're going to be speaking to a lot of people when you leave from here into this week. Let your speech be of such that it brings hope and encourage and even bring direction to people. Very practical stuff. How do we handle this life that we're in? Well, let's watch what we say. And it says in verse 6, carrying on, it says, so that you may know how, to, or how you ought to answer each person. There's this lovely verse in Proverbs 15, verse 23. I'll just quote it for you. It says, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man. And a word in season, how good is it? <laughs> People need a word in this season. I'm not telling you to go and preach and it's just, you need to give the people that you're facing every day and that you're engaging the right answer. People have questions. May our speech be of such that it will bring hope, that it will be a right answer for people. A good word spoken in the right time is such a help to people. And you, I guarantee this, you and I will engage people this week that will need a good word spoken into their lives. So as much as we need a good word into our lives, why don't we start by giving a good word? Then he carries on and he addresses a number of people from verses 7 right through to 17. And he finishes with this. That's the last thing I want to say. In verse 17, Paul writes to a man called Archippus. He says, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Amazing that he has a number of names there, Tychicus and Onesimus and Aristarchus and Mark and Justus and Epaphras and Luke and Demas and call all sorts of names that he, that, he, that he refers to in his closing address of this letter. And then he says to the last guy, Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry. Kind of like in that that he's saying, Archippus, there's a responsibility that you have. See that you fulfill what God has put in your hands. There are many others here that he refers to. This is Archippus, and I'm paraphrasing. Don't worry about the others, but be faithful with what is in your hands. In a sense, that's what I want to say to you this morning, King City Church. Many people have various things that they have to do, but you be faithful with what God has given you to do. And the way that you do it, do it in such a God-honoring way that people will see God in it. And if you do it differently than what the others would do, like a Tychicus and an Aristarchus and a Mark, don't you worry about how Mark is doing it. But you, Archippus, you be faithful to what God is expecting of you. And when they go wrong and they do something wrong, Archippus, you be faithful with what God is expecting of you. Because in a moment like this, 
What we need is unity. We need people to, with similar hearts to be together and support one another and not to be in a rivalry thing where look at him and look at that one and he's got more and I've got less and and we start competing, we start comparing and we start becoming upset with one another and we lose the value of what we are here for. Part of our testimony is an individual one. Part of our testimony is a corporate one where we each take responsibility for what we are called and then together it brings glory to him. So the church is not here on a Sunday only. The church is tomorrow when you're behind your desk, when you're in front of people, when you're in a car where you need to drive as a rep, or whatever it is, that's where the church is. And as you are faithful in what God has called you to do, together this nation will see a reflection of who God is through each one bringing their part and making sure that they are faithful with what they are called to do. Just practical things. Practical things. I've not given you advice on how to do with a dollar and a bond and a whatever. And I've just given you advice from Scripture that says this is how we ought to live our lives. So I want to ask you, go and read through it together again this week in your own time together with whoever. Study it and let God speak to you in whatever area of life you need to have these things nailed and established. If you see that, man, this thing is not, it's not in place. I need to address this. I need to, I need to change that. I need to whatever. Let God help you. And let's see his kingdom come through our lives on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that your word is powerful. And as we read it and as we study it, it brings hope. It brings direction. And it brings clarity also about how we ought to live our lives, Lord. Simple things, simple things. Walking in wisdom, having speech, Lord God, that will be gracious. Lord God, thank you for simple things like prayer and, and, and thanksgiving and living with those attitudes and those attitudes. Father, I thank you that you will help us as a church to know that in this time, it is not a time to become anxious. But it simply is a time that we put into practice what we are so aware of. And that is that Christ in us, the hope of glory, he wants to live through us in practical ways. Practical ways. I pray, Lord God, that as your people, we will see the practical application of the gospel taking shape more and more in our lives by how we live. I pray, Lord, that it will not just be intellectual knowledge that we gain about who you are and what you've done. But I pray, Father, that it will affect the way that we live our lives every single day by simple, practical things like we've just looked at. And I trust you for that, Father. I pray, Lord God, that if there's anybody here this morning who have never understood the fullness of what Christ has done for them, I pray that in their hearts, Lord God, right now they will say, Jesus, I want to live this life, but I don't know you. I don't even know what you've done for me. Talking about dying on the cross for me, I don't understand that. I need to know you. I pray, Father, that if there's anybody here right now that they will in their hearts say, Jesus, please help me to get to know you 
I want to live as a follower of Christ. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. And so I pray, just for right now, Lord God, as our eyes are all closed, and we sit before you. This could be a life and death moment for an individual right now. And so that we don't want to hasten and miss this. Pray, Holy Spirit, that if you're speaking to anybody in particular right now about salvation, about the saving grace that comes from Jesus Christ, and if there's anybody here this morning that are in need of that grace and of salvation, I pray that you will touch their hearts, Lord God, and help them to see that they need you. And while our eyes are all just closed, and if anybody here this morning just wants to say, yes, I, I, need, I need salvation. I need the grace of God to come and save me. Why don't you just quickly just shoot up your hand. It's not trying to embarrass anybody. Saying, hey, if there's anybody like that, we'd love to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. I see hands going up. Father, I thank you for the need in these people's hearts where they say, I need, I need you to help me. I need to pursue a living relationship with you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that from this moment on, as we pray together with them, Father, that you will help them on this journey. Now, thank you, for, Lord God, for everybody else here, that we've come together to worship, to meet with you, to become more like you. I pray that as we go from here, that the things that we've been challenged to, the things that you've spoken into our hearts, Lord God, directly through the word or indirectly through just being together here, I pray that we will take heart of those things and that you will help us to be faithful with them. I trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.